it's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked! Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan podcast for this week. I am your host, The Yellow Bug. I am joined by my co-host, Fairytale Lesbians! (laughs) And this is our special review, dual episode review, of Nightfall and Girl in the Tower, which we've been privately calling Fairytale Lesbians, so I almost forgot to call it by its actual name. All right. So we're going to start with our um, opening news bulletins. The big story we have right out of the gate comes from Entertainment Weekly, which is that Jennifer Morrison, Jennifer Goodwin, Josh Dallas, and Emily DeRobin are all returning for the closing chapter of Once Upon a Time. Yay! I'm so happy. Yeah, not completely unexpected, but good to hear just the same. And it was also announced that Jared Gilmore is back as Young Henry, which is weird that we have to refer to him as Young Henry, by the way. And Beverly Elliott is also returning as Granny. Yes! They're set to appear in flashbacks in episode 20. The news, of course, sent waves of excitement throughout social media as fans celebrated about the charming family finding each other one last time. And they aren't the only cast members returning to Storybrooke before we leave it. Ashley has all the buzz on who else is coming to dinner. I, I do indeed. TV Line broke the news that Sean McGuire and Victoria Smurfett are reprising their roles as Robin Hood and Corel DeVille, while Joanna Garcia Swisher and Robbie Kay are back as Ariel and Peter Pan. Holy crap. Uh, perennial town crier Lee Ehrenberg is running in as Grumpy. Keegan Connor Tracy is flying in as Shady Blue. Yes. And Tony Amadol yes. will carve his way further into our hearts as Geppetto. Each of them will appear in episode 21 or the finale or both. Or both. Or both. I, dun, dun, dun. I'm just so excited There's so many people are back. Like, I've missed them. So a couple things on this news bulletin point. Number one, I'm super stoked about all of these returns because I love all of these characters. And of the people that I've met who are playing these people, they're all pretty cool as well. So that's pretty awesome. But more to the point of the story and things like that, I am quite interested to see how Cruella and Peter Pan got out of the underworld. Or maybe if indeed that's what they're going to show. I, mean, I don't maybe know. Maybe they'll do like some big like, wrap hey, up. That's and, a thing. Yeah, hanging out, <laughs> just hanging out in hell, in like with the blind witch, like Hill's version of you know Granny's Diner. That's hilarious. Um, I'm also curious to see how Robin Hood is going to be back. Are we talking wishful forest Robin Hood or is real Robin Hood actually, or prime Robin Hood, if you will, is he actually going to be the one to return? Are we going to get like, like a force you know, ghost? Or a force ghost. Also acceptable. I mean, the boys are fans of, you know, Star Wars, so it would be cool to see some kind of force ghost all standing there. Um, super stoked, too, that Keegs, Keegan Connor Tracy, is coming back as Shady Blue Fairy. Love it. Oh, love it. 
I still want some kind of last minute reveal that she was like behind it the whole time. Like, <laughs> by the way, I'm still totally evil. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, blue? exactly. Like, come on, shady blue spinoff, shady blue spinoff. <laughs> we can make it happen. We can put it on YouTube. Um, and then you know, Geppetto coming back as well. I think that's really neat. I'm also wondering if they maybe won't be able to fit a few more people in there that they haven't said, although I don't know who it would be because I would expect the people that they've already said to be more of like a surprise, but it would be cool if they were able to get like Gil McKinney to come in as Prince Eric or something like that, you know, just to like go along with Ariel or, you know, some other people like, yeah, you know, like anybody else who, I mean, we've got Shady Blue and we've got Geppetto. Like, if we could get Jiminy in there, and I mean, even if we got Eon Bailey back as um, August Booth, like Pinocchio, that would be pretty cool as well. So I'm just saying. But anyways, along with the news that the Charmings are back, and everybody else, comes word, again from Entertainment Weekly, that the series finale is set to span over two weeks... May 11th and the 18th with the um, Jennifer Morrison, Jennifer Goodwin, Josh Dallas, and Emily DeRavin. They are going to appear in the very last hour. One year, it's not on Mother's Day. It's so weird that, like, it, it's so weird that it's over two weeks, I think. Because normally they're like, all right, we're going to, we're, we're throwing two hours at you guys. And normal, and that's always fun. Yeah, it's weird. Well, I'm wondering... I'm wondering if that had to do, though, getting all these people back. I'm sure that that was, that was like it. I mean, I'm sure thing, that was probably it. I mean, the day that we're recording this, Jennifer Morrison wrapped on set. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're filming it right now. So I'm sure it's, you know, probably going to be a pretty emotional day over there with all of those folks. So I can only imagine. <sighs> Again, thank you to everybody ever involved with the show for everything that you ever made and did and all of it anyways we're going to move on to our review of the episodes now first beginning with the hook centric episode nightfall nightfall was written by jerome schwartz and miguel ian rea it was directed by steve minor um overall let's start out with our our kind of spoiler free reviews i guess i'll go first since we have plans for the second half of this review (laughs) um (laughs) Um, I thought that this was a pretty good episode, actually. There was one thing in particular that we'll get to that really stood out for me for various reasons. And a couple of other things as well. But I I did think some of it didn't work for me quite, you know, 100%. But a lot of it did. And I'm looking forward to discussing um, some of this in detail. Ashley, what did you think of this episode? Um, well, there, like you said, there are parts of it that worked for me. There are parts of it that I was like, ooh, and there's, there's a couple of things in particular that I really want to gush over because I was like, holy crap. Um, there were some things that didn't work and actually one big thing, and we will get to that later, like just wasn't clicking very well for me. And I don't know why that, I, I honestly have no good reason why that was, but, um, I mean, overall, it was it was it was a pretty good episode. It wasn't one of my favorites. Um, the hook centric ones usually aren't. I mean, and you know, <laughs> I do enjoy Hook, but though <laughs> they're I, not yours. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, like overall, it wasn't like 
terrible. I think I was more because we were doing a double episode. I think I was I was uh, had a, a different priority and anticipation. So I was like, okay, 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 let's go. Um. <laughs> I can't imagine what that would have been. Oh, could could hmm could couldn't anybody who ever sees any of my hashtags ever on Twitter since season yeah. five? Yeah. <laughs> When never the, imagine when the whole what it thing would be. Started. Yeah, never imagine what it could be. Okay. Mm. So the first thing I want to comment on is Ronnie's walk of shame after Facilia's ah. visit. <laughs> I can't believe they went there. I was like, oh, I love the fact show. that they went there. I love the fact that they went there. The show has a little bit more of an edge this year, mm-hmm. which I enjoy, which is something actually that I'll be bringing up later. Um, I also enjoyed the fact that she like ran into Henry and then she's like trying to hide it and can't. And it's like, he doesn't realize. So the comedy factor was there. I mean, was I was great. actually, I was thinking about that. Like how, wait, when Henry eventually does wake up, how many things is he going to like realize? And oh, be like, oh, Jesus Christ, mom. Like he's going to be sitting there at dinner and be like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what that means though? That just means that Henry is going to have an, you know, one night stands and the like kind of moment with with his mom, like where you know, whale, we were cursed. That is neither here nor there. You were like, cursed. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. He's gonna be like, I was like, yeah. He's gonna freak out. And then Regina probably be like, you were cursed. It's so, fine. But now he now he knows how it is. Um, you know, he knows how it feels. So I just thought that was I thought that that was fantastic. I thought it was funny. Also, Gothel meeting with Nook and Goldweaver, as I'm calling him now. And she's telling him, like, you and I have always... She's telling Nook, like, you and I have always had such nice conversations, detective. And I was like, oh, yikes. That's, uh... Ugh. Uh... Yikes. God. Gothel. She, she's getting there for me as a villain. Because normally, you know, when I when I enjoy a villainess on the show, I'm usually like, this... This motherfucker right here on my screen. Like, ooh... So she's at that point now. Yeah, me. she's <laughs> which is which is which is a praise. Yeah, actually. she she is awful gothel. <laughs> awful gothel. There we go. All right. So now I want to um talk about something else, the thing that I was just mentioning in the previous little segment here. There was a scene in this episode that I wasn't expecting to feel this kind of impact. Um but I did. So I want to bring it up really quickly because it was actually the thing that stood out the most to me. And that was, um, it was two scenes, really. The ones that were between Nook, Newhook, and um, Rumpelstiltskin in, like, the, um, in the, in the prison, basically. Like, where he was in his cell down in, you know, the cave. Mm-hmm. All right? Okay. First of all, it made me realize how much I miss Rumpel. Like, not Goldweaver, but Rumpel. It's funny how his presence, or lack thereof this season, is, like, I feel like that's actually something that, I kind of wish that there had been a little bit more of that now, looking back on it. Because when, actually, that, when that scene was happening, I wanted more of it. I wanted more of him. I missed having him around. So I wasn't expecting that, actually, because I'm really into what's happening right now in a lot of ways. Um, But I didn't realize that that was kind of one of the things that made once once. So, um, 
Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, Robert Carlyle was in rare form as Rumpel in those scenes. Like, and I didn't, I, I came to the same realization. And I think it was the moment where Hook kind of looked over his shoulder and called him Rumpelstiltskin. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah. 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 You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like it really demonstrated how different this world is from the prime world, if you will. Um, the like the original, the one you know, the the original one, <laughs> not all of the other ones that came into existence afterwards. You know, throughout those six years, mm. because in in this world. Rumpel is in an incredibly weakened state in his prison, especially when you set him against the Rumpel in the Prime Universe, who was always in power, whether it was the bottle of true love magic that he'd hidden in Maleficent, or if it was the scroll with Emma's name written all over it, that it you know, so that her name would wake him up from the curse. Like, and there was one moment in particular that resonated fairly deeply with me which was his reaction when nook wants to make a deal because the way he had slithered down the bars of his prison in defeat and then suddenly froze and then he moved back up when nook mentions wanting to make a deal it's like watching the life breathe back into him again and the way that he was like that he asked like you want to deal it started off so quiet and small and it led to that excited outburst about how he remembered how much he liked making deals. And I was really just struck by the contrast there. Like that quiet little moment that I just mentioned had this like deep sense of tragedy, like a homeless man who can't believe that somebody actually wants to help him in some way. Mm -hmm. And the way that Bobby Carlisle is able to convey such a swing of emotion from that initial tragic curiosity into just the sheer delight all in the span of two lines of dialogue was absolutely astounding. Like, and not only was that swing of emotion like projected in a couple of lines of dialogue, but it was also such a contrast to anything that we've ever seen from prime Rumpel that as I was watching it, I felt something that I can only describe as like having one foot through the looking glass and one foot out, like standing in the middle of the mirror, observing two different worlds because this scene had alternate Rumpel in a prison, just, you know, very much like where prime Rumpel was in the pilot, but he's in that incredibly weakened and vulnerable state. And it made me reflect back on how much prime Rumpel grew over the course of those first six seasons mm -hmm. and how he had such potential for goodness along with his capacity for evil. And it made me wonder about alternate Rumpel. And what kind of decisions he would make if he ever did get out of his cell. And whether they'd be different decisions, like better decisions, or if he would follow the same type of path that Prime Rumpel did. And, you know, seek absolution from his sins through some kind of magical means that affects everybody else. Like, this one scene had so much to it. Like, I mean... There was so much going on there in that one just little moment. Like, it really stood out to me. It's like a brief flicker of light in the darkness. So I just want to give a shout out to Jerome Schwartz and Miguel Ian Rea for writing that. And to, you know, the director, Steve Miner, and to Robert Carlyle. Like, 
and the you know everybody like you guys really created a really great moment and i feel like that was a really special scene so i just wanted to give a shout out to those folks for doing that i mean well said i i just i i agree and when you mentioned his vulnerable state it was because we've always talked about rumple as the chess master and he's always five steps ahead of everybody else like you said with with the potions and the lotions and the hiding things and etc. But here, he wasn't in control. And yeah. the difference wasn't um, visually... I, I shouldn't say it wasn't visually obvious. I mean, it wasn't in terms of body language. But I, it's just, it wasn't immediately obvious. It wasn't until he opened his mouth or he moved, he tilted his head that you really realized... This is a different rumble. This is a different path. So, yeah. I felt pity for him. Like, right. I really felt pity for this rumble. And it's funny because, like, the original, like, the first rumble, the prime rumble that we saw in that prison cell in the pilot, he was not necessarily somebody, I mean, you know, over, I mean, over time, sure, he proved to be somebody who, you know, his actions, like, I can see why, like, I can see why they would want to stop him. Like, they would feel the need to have to stop him. Of mm. course they would. Um, but this one was, like, it was so different. Like, I, you know, like, the Prime Rumple was the one who should have been in the cell. Mm -hmm. And this one was so sad and defeated. I mean, obviously he was the same, they were the same, same person up to a point, and then the stories diverged. But he was so different that I was, like, I felt like he was he deserved a second chance just as much as, you know, the many, many chances that the other Rumpel got. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just thought it was beautiful. I really did. I thought it was just as, a... and really, I mean, Robert Carlyle, just the, the way that he like moved his body, like, and what he did with his voice in particular, I was just, I mean, it's incredible. I just thought it was so great. So that's all I want to say about that. Also, um, Ashley, I'm sad that you were wrong in your guess about who the peg leg man was going to be in this episode. I was so, I was like, oh, well, shit. I mean, I'm not like disappointed, but I was also like, ooh, damn. Because we would have opportunities to sing about Treasure Planet or Treasure, Treasure Island, Treasure Island. <laughs> I won't say anything. Um... <laughs> not going to get started on that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it turns out that it was Captain Ahab who had Maui's hook, as in, like, from Moana. Ashley, I know you have feelings about this. Now, I will say I'm glad how, how little that was used. Like, it wasn't, we didn't delve too deep. It was more of, like, a wink and a nod, and I was like, all right, I'll allow it. I like that, too. Like, it was more just, like, you know, it, it was there in just a couple of scenes. I mean, it was kind of a MacGuffin, but... Not necessarily. I was just thinking MacGuffin. Yeah. No, I mean, it, not was. Necessarily. it was. I mean, it was. So, you know, I mean, I thought that was fine. Um, I, but I'm glad that it wasn't overplayed. I think is probably right. the best thing to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like the fact it wasn't overplayed. Um, also, Ahab does, like, I don't know if it was just me. Probably because, you know, fairy tale lesbians. But it seemed to <laughs> me that... Ahab seemed to have a thing for Hook. No, I didn't see it. Okay. Well. But I think I was, I think here's the thing though, because that was my, my one big problem was I think I was distracted because I couldn't find Ahab's motivation. Like he was just kind of being a dick for dick's sake. 
Like, what did it, like, like, Hook didn't offend him to begin with. Hook didn't start it, you know what I mean? Right. Ahab was just like, oh, you're not a pirate anymore. And Hook's like, yeah, okay, so I'm not, but maybe you should shut your mouth. But also, I got a thing I got to do. And Ahab just kept picking at it and picking at it. Well, then, it, okay, you know what? As I say this out loud, that is the crux of Captain Ahab, you know, a man who cannot let this obsession die. So maybe I should stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> but that um good one <laughs> i just but i just felt i i felt that i was like no he has to go back to his daughter leave him the hell alone like i was just like ahab go away like no one's impressed with you and your peg leg get the hell out of here mr smee could kick your ass p.s i was so glad that chris gothier was back I, I always love it when smee returns yeah it was cute i love how he offered hook the ship like right away or nook i should say he offered nook the ship right away that was great um nook with his attractive graying temples there did you see that yeah i did i did notice that as a matter of fact which i was okay with you know like letting him letting that character age a little bit is not the worst thing in the world mm. so that's fine it's like 300 and some odd years old so exactly um with the whole ahab and hook thing too i love how they played the dice game and made me think of pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest when the crew yeah. is playing for time spent in their servitude right yeah um, that's mm-hmm. what it made me think of. So I did appreciate that as well. Uh, really enjoyed that. Also, Drizella cleaning out Victoria's office. Okay. Oh. Really great scene. Sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But great. I totally understand how she feels. Funny enough. Um. I mean, like the whole way. So I was like, okay, girl. Like, I feel you, girl. It's okay. We'll get through it together. So when Drizella was talking about hating her mom her whole life, only to find out at the end that she loved her, that was pretty intense. Um, Girl's been through a lot, and it really is, again, a reflection of Regina, a younger Regina, because that's exactly what happened between Regina and Cora. So, you know, there are definitely the parallels there. And in a funny way, I'm kind of hoping that Drizella ends up becoming the Regina of this, like, of, you know, the other story. Like 100% a goody. Well, not, no, I mean, not necessarily 100% a goody. Um, definitely a lot of that. But I kind of want her to be, I kind of want, like, I kind of want her to learn magic and become, like, I want her to be the evil queen, but I don't want her to be... I mean, maybe she could slip and go back and be evil. I don't know. But I just thought it would be really cool if one day, like, she ended up becoming, like, you know, the evil queen of that version. I mean, because if, you know, if Rapunzel can grow up to be Lady Tremaine of Cinderella, then (laughs) Drizella from Cinderella can grow up to be, you know, Regina. So, or at least, you know, like the, the badass bitch who doesn't take no shit you know, of that world who knows magic and is just like the most, you know, the baddest bitch. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want her to be the baddest bitch. That's what I want. Um, I want that to end up being her, you know, her ultimate fate, even though we're probably not ever going to see that. But that's okay. I'll her, write it in. Her royal Hannes, the most um, honorable baddest bitch. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> we should just hashtag that, the most honorable baddest bitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. Also, quick question about one of the set decoration things that Henry brought up, the gold pens. Mm-hmm. 
is there something more to that or is it just like a trump thing um considering i work at a high-end luxury law firm it is definitely something that you might see and that's all i'll say on that gold pens that was interesting Oh, the other creepy thing. The creepy thing. I do know the creepy Ooh, thing oh that you were talking my about earlier. God. Okay, like, I'm watching this at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I literally had, like, oh, a, a startle. Like, I was startled. I was like, bleh. Like, I legitimately got, like, cr I've never been that creeped out at, from the show before. Like, I legitimately was, like, genuinely creeped out. Like, horror movie creeped out. By this and this being, or do you want? Do you want to say? No, go. I mean, oh, okay. go ahead. Well, it was that moment in the um, police station when Tilly's like flipping shit, rightly so. Oh my god! That Eloise Gottlieb-Gardner so is chilling in the interrogation room, and you don't notice right away, but it cuts over to the screen where the security camera is. She's looking dead ass right into the camera, and she's waving at Tilly, like she sees her there the whole time. And I was like. Like, blah, blah, no. Oh, my God. I have no idea why that creeped me out so much. I think it's because it there was, I don't think there was, like, a musical sting or anything that went with it. It just was like, oh, she's, like, waving and looking at her. Oh, my God, she's waving and looking at her. Like, I was, it, it, it was so unexpected and so just, like, I'm everywhere. You can't get away from me. I'm watching you right now. Like, ugh. I like did it creep you out that much cuz like literally like it gave me the hella wig. I was I was not was unacceptable. Yeah, it did. Um it, it, yeah, it was quite creepy. Um I really I I mean it was definitely like a a, a the ring moment like 7 days. Oh. Like, you know, it was just um I wasn't expecting it to be that creepy. I wasn't expecting to be that creeped out by something like that because it's not like, I mean, it's a relatively simple execution if you think about it, but it's also like, I was super creeped out. Yes, absolutely. So it's just, I don't know how, what, what the, like how they all did it, how the actors and the director and every the editing all fell together to make that so perfect, but it was literally five seconds of creepy, but it like it yuck. I mean, yuck in a good way. But blah. Yeah, I mean, it was awful. I mean, it was good, but it was, like, awfully creepy. It was good <laughs> that it was so awful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, peekaboo! No. Unacceptable. Yeah, it was super creepy. Super creepy. The next thing I want to discuss is the f the other scene that I mentioned earlier when I was talking about Rumpel and Nook, which is when Ahab came in. Mm. The way that Rumpel says, don't listen to that idiot. Yes. Like, that was great. And then later when he was like, no, enough, let me out. I'll rip his face off. Um, and then later at the end of that, he goes, and then your legend will live on forever. Oh, my like, God. He said forever. That, that's the like, moment I like definitely lost. He, it. It's like, forever. It's like, yeah. He sounded like one of the aliens from Galaxy Quest. Like, mm, hello, Captain Nook will rip his face off and then your legend will live on forever. Like, <laughs> it was totally Galaxy Quest Alien. That, <laughs> that's oh, what I got out of that. So, the historical documents. Um, oh. and, also, like, it was, and also, it was a little bit Cowardly Lion, no? It, it, it was a little was. Cowardly Lion there. Oh, with the, with the trilling R's? It definitely was. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, there was a lot of it. I mean, so I thought that that was, I mean, yeah. That moment also stood out to me 
again, everything going on with alternate Rumple, I wish we had, you know, Rumple, we barely knew ye. We knew quite a bit of ye, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, we needed more of ye. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and like you said, I'm only really realizing it now that we got, like, a shot in the arm, as it were, from, from... Mm-hmm fairy tale rumple it's like oh my god right <sighs> rumple we barely knew ye i tell you all right mm. the next thing i want to talk about is awful gothel again Ugh. she has that smug villainous vibe that just drives me crazy and at this point like I need her to get her come up in soon. Like I'm at the point with her that I was at with Regina in the first season where I was like this bitch needs to go like <laughs> but then we're gonna get her back she's gotta go gonna feel sympathy for because that's what happened i hated Regina <sighs> in the first i know season. Like, loathed her loathed oh i loathed entirely. oh absolutely same same underlying bold italics like absolutely all the way up until the stable boy and then the stable boy happened and suddenly i was like she must be protected for at all f- costs. sake i f- <laughs> yeah i feel pity for the evil queen fuck like yeah, that was not so great. She she spray painted Snow White's car, and yet I still feel bad for her. Like shit. Right? Shit. Oh my god. Oh my god, that really happened. Oh mm-hmm. my god, you just brought me back to first season. Oh girl. Oh. <laughs> what a weird show we've chosen to watch. It's okay. <laughs> all good things must come to an end, Captain Picard. They say that all great art begins with pain. Are you there? Uh. Okay. Thanks for the encouragement there, Gothel. She also, and also she she said the killer is grappling with pain. And when she mentioned the chocolate marzipan truffles, I was like, how dare you speak of chocolate marzipan truffles, you evil witch? Well, and my thing was, I, was I, not. I actually started Googling. I'm like, wait, is that a thing from something? Should I know what that is? Right. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to either, but I did not do the Googling. You know how I hate the Googling. Um, You're not going to even get that reference. You haven't seen the movie. You know how I hate the mumbling. All right. Also, too, earlier I had mentioned Drizella and her whole thing with Henry. First of all, glad she wasn't kissing him for very long. Um, yeah, I'm glad that kind of told was her. not a thing for. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, nope, 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 um, nope, nope. Um, and then also later when she decided to make peace peace with Jacinderella, and mm-hmm. you know, and Jacinderella gave her her Beatrice doll, and. You know, that was really sweet. That was a really sweet moment. Um, you know, kind of that, that reconciliation that we've kind of been talking about, you know, in the past, theorizing and things like that. So mm-hmm. there was that. Also, all caps conversation. Whoa, Tilly and the Baker. Like, okay. I was like, oh, are we doing this yeah. now? Because Tilly's grown on me. And You're not kidding. just because of the reasons which I will discuss very soon, <laughs> but... I mean, she's just a very unique take on a character who, you know, when when Charming said back in season two, we are both, mm. like, mm. she really is. And so it's been interesting to see how that's been playing out. Right. So I was really like, please don't let her be a murderess. Yeah, you know, um, it was funny because the thing that I thought of, because at first I was like, whoa, like, that's a lot of blood. And then... Oh, uh, Yeah. On the show, we were never that gory. That's not true. It was gory back in season one, red-handed, when they had all of the blood and all of the things. We've talked about oh, how the show, yeah. like, and that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, where the show is a little bit more edgy this season, probably because of Friday night instead of Sunday. Um, 
the blood and gore factor is a, has returned a little bit because we've talked about how you know the show is a little bit more brutal in season one and they got away with a little bit more i think um because they weren't as popular so they could show that things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and i feel like this scene kind of played back to that a little bit and i was pretty grateful for it because again the whole thing with the edge like it's there's it's definitely going on it made an impact. It made it feel like there a were real consequences. huge impact. I mean, not that right. they haven't felt like there were real consequences But it, really, before, it just but underlined it. It was very there. visceral. Yes. It was a very, right. It was a very visceral thing to see and a very visceral reaction to have. And unexpected to see that much blood. So, yeah. Also, another all caps conversation. Henry, why are you inviting Drizella into your apartment? I was like, no, 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 no. And with, with those large amount of beers that you're drinking, like, stop that. Right. I just want to mention this to you because I don't know if you noticed it. You probably did, but did you notice that they were drinking some big ass beers? Yes, I did notice they were drinking some big ass beers. I was like, I, uh, well, I do not approve of Drizzle in your apartment. I do approve of the uh, quaffing of some large uh, derriered uh, drams. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Oh my god. I was like, I thought of you immediately, to be quite honest with you. I was like, oh, it's big ass beers. Oh, Ashley. Oh. Oh, tinfish. Um, I also... We shall revisit. Yes, we shall revisit. Um, One of my favorite things about that scene as well was the line that Drizella had of Henry, apples don't fall too far from the family tree. Um, My mother did some horrible (laughs) things and I need to fix them. I thought that was a really great moment for her to take some responsibility for her actions and Mm -hmm. i i really i like that moment as well i just love drizella i do i love drizella like she needs to be the badass bitch i'm telling you i'm a big fan of adeline kane just off of this one character like would love to sit and talk with her dragon con would love to talk to her anytime she has she has shirts. There are shirts apparently that you can purchase that like say queenie things on them. I can't I don't have the link, but next week I'll find the link. Oh, I'll do some research. And then finally the moment that I want to close with here, which was Lucy and Regina at the bar when Regina admitted the truth and then Lucy said, "So you are Regina and that makes me." And then Regina said, "That makes you a Mills, Lucy." And so am I. Just don't call me grandma. Okay. I think it's hilarious that Henry calls Snow grandma and she's younger than Regina. And yet Regina... Yeah, it's funny. Also, walkie-talkies and Operation Hyacinth. Woot. I love... I need a shirt that says, like, just all the Operation names listed out on it. What I love about this scene is how it reflects back on Regina in season one. And how at that point she was doing anything to keep the curse going before she finally admitted the truth to Emma in that incredible scene, in that incredible episode, A Land Without Magic. And now, you know, at this point in time, she's doing everything that she can to try to break the curse and then actually admitted the truth to Lucy, like, willingly, so that they could start doing something to fix it. And I'm just like, this is such a huge turnaround from where Regina was. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. I mean, in a good way. But, I mean, it's not like we didn't see her progress the whole time that we just, you know, were watching her on the other six seasons of the show. But she's obviously, you know, like, it's clear that time has passed here for her. And that she's a different person now. And, I mean, it makes all the difference as far as how impactful it is, I think. 
I agree. It's just, it's... The change, it being so, I guess, I don't want to say obvious or prominent, because those aren't the right words, but noticeable, mm. I guess, really, it's starting to bring around a sense of closure. Which is good, because it's, it's going to make it feel like we are winding down. It's obvious. Which is a sad thing to talk about, but... Seeing the growth from then to now makes you know it makes it feel like there will be like the 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 end the true the end will feel satisfying oh god all right it's fine i'm fine i'm not getting emotional all right so that pretty much brings us to the end of our review of nightfall we will be back in just a moment with our review of Fairy tale lesbians. No, I'm just kidding. The girl in the tower. You had to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. We'll be right back. Hello, it's Rebecca Maida here, Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, and you are listening to the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Enjoy, because it's wicked. Just to reach you. Welcome back, everybody. We're about to do our review of The Girl in the Tower. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Ashley to take the lead. Ooh, in the driver's seat. I don't know how this feels. Um, I've definitely fired up my hookah caterpillar style in honor of this episode. Um, a little backstory for folks who are... <laughs> it's just tobacco. Calm it down. <laughs> for folks who are just, you know, tuning in, or maybe this is one of the first... Um, of our podcast that you've caught. Um, I have been obsessed with fairy tale lesbians on Once Upon a Time since back in season five. And they're like, we're going to have a gay story. And I was like, yes. And I've spoken a lot on this subject, both in past podcasts. And I wrote uh, a reaction to uh, the episode um, on Once Upon a Fan. And it's just, I feel very strongly about seeing people like myself represented in a medium, or not a medium so much, as a genre that I enjoy that you don't see uh, queer folks in, or you haven't seen queer folks in that much. Um, at least I didn't growing up, you know? Right, yes like, I do. Like, I grew up with the Disney princesses, but I remember being like, they're so pretty, you know, like, as opposed to, I, I didn't necessarily want to be the princess, we'll just put it that way. Um, well, I did, but only because that's who the princes got with. So the only way I could get a prince was to want be the princess. Though I did have a thing for villains too. I remember thinking Malif. I was like Maleficent. Like, what's going on here? This is this is not quite right. What 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 what? what? Yeah, I was told. I mean, I'm. I mean, even now, I'm still kind of. I can admit that Gaston is pretty hot. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing though too, is because a lot of villains were are very like gay coded in a way. Um, and I don't know what that says about, like, things, because I actually, like, the villains are my favorites, so 
I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing, but that's that is a discussion for another time. Um, anyway, so I you know the, the running joke is hashtag fairy tale lesbians, and I just see the the wonderful idea that there are people who happen to be queer, and I'm going to use the phrase queer. I normally say gay, and it's kind of all encompassing, but I'm just going to say queer for the sake of ease. Um, on this podcast, there are in in the many realms of Once Upon a Time that there are folks who just happen to be queer. There aren't queer folks. There are folks who are also queer, and I can totally dig on that. Exactly. Um. Yep. So yeah, I we think we should just go right into it, Zach. I want to hear what your thoughts are real quick before I start launching into like speechifying about lesbians in the woods. Well. I want to be a fairy tale lesbian. <laughs> Me first. You wait. <laughs> um, I just thought their story was so cute, and the funny thing is that I felt like it really was kind of organic to who they were as people. It didn't really feel forced because it seemed like I really felt like they did have some chemistry there, you know. So, I I just thought it was really touching and really sweet. And I like the fact that, like, Robin, well, I don't want, I mean, I don't want to be too spoilerific, I guess, but I, there are a couple of things that Robin did that were really sweet. And I like the fact, I think it's so cute that she is, like, the stud and Alice oh, <laughs> is no. the, but, but, but the is thing is, though, like is that the, she's not, though. Like, that's but the she's thing not. Is, like, they're both kind. Like, they're both kind of lipstick lesbians. So, well, because here's but, the thing, though. When you but have I like. Two the, I mean, and they're both. Mm. When you have two chopsticks, you don't go around asking which one is the fork and which one's the knife. Uh, well, especially you can ask the double woodpecker that. So. <laughs> but yeah, I just I thought that it was really really sweet. We'll get back to the double woodpecker. So. I just thought it was really, really cute. And there are a lot of small moments that I really enjoyed that we'll get into as we discuss it more in detail. But what did you think? Well, I enjoyed it. Um, no, I, I really liked it. Um, and I might actually get a bit spoilery because I've been thinking a lot about this story and then past queer and queer-ish stories on Once Upon a Time. Um, and the thing that struck me the most, the thing that I haven't been able to get out of my head while watching this episode was that, I mean, we're in the know. We we know this is going to be a slow burn thing and mm-hmm. how it's going to eventually play out, which is good because this, what we saw on screen with this episode, for me growing up, was always going to be left at that. And it would turn out, oh, they're just really close friends. But like every, you know, us 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 young fry would always be like, no 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 no, like there's there's the subtext is there. You got to read the signs, you know. But the fact that we don't have to with this, and we can just accept it, like no, they are totally like crushing on each other, and it's gonna be great, is just I feel very light. Like I feel like there's like a, there's mm. no tension like watching this and kind of like hoping and then like oh and then some dude's getting introduced. And it's like yeah no totally they're Rosalian Isles they're. They're just <laughs> I've never watched Rosalie and Isles, but I have heard that I shouldn't because it would make me very angry. So we're just. I mean, I've watched a little bit of it, and I mean, I'll be damned if they aren't a lesbian couple. Like, don't come at me with that. Sorry. 
But that's ex- but that's exactly my point, is that I don't even want to put a number. However many years ago, like me growing up watching this, it would have been like oh, it would have been huge. I see. I see with like in italics what's going on here, but it would have been played off as oh they're just friends, but they're not, and that's so refreshing. It reminded me of kind of what we had a bit with Mulan and Aurora back in oh Jesus season two, two slash was it three when when Mulan left? No, uh, yeah, she left in three or four. It wasn't four. It was three because I and that was the moment I I just remember because I was I you know it was one of those things where it's like. You're reading the signs. No, it then... wasn't. It was five. It was five. Remember, no, she, she she came back in five when she left Aurora, and she was like super sad for a while, and then she went. Yeah, she but she, yeah, but I thought in the course of the timeline that when she left, she and that's when she went and met Merida, and then joined. You know the the army with the rest of them, like the Merry Men. No, mm, no, I'm pretty sure it was it was season three. Clearly, season it's time for a rewatch. Don't don't test me on my fairy tale lesbian knowledge. I'm pretty sure it was season three because season four, Aurora had already had her baby, and they had all the babies in like the the baby. Daycare oh, that's with, right, in the baby daycare with Emma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so I just remember like you know kind of read the signs and like the you have to put your heart back in. Have you ever just done this before? No, like oh okay, you know like Mulan watching oh, when she gosh, sleeps. Like yes, right, right, right. Like that was like and, and being like. Oh my god, is this a thing? Am I going to see like myself on screen? I'm so excited. And then the moment when Mulan's like I got to tell you a thing, literally my reaction was, "Yes, yes, yes." No, because then it was a, I'm pregnant with, you know, and Philip and I, Mulan's like, "Well, I can't tell you the thing now I'm going to leave and I'm going to cry." And I cried and it was terrible. And yeah, cuz then... cuz you ended up getting Gomez. I'm going to have a baby right now. Like so sad. <laughs> The way that she walked away with her, I mean, we've talked about it, but the way that Mulan walked away with her heartbroken was just... Well, you know, I don't think there's a single queer girl who hasn't been there at one point or another, so that was like... Queer boy as well. It's like, this is not the representation I wanted, no! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Queer boys as well, like all those times you felt really close to your bud, and then, you know, you tried to get close to him, and then that was that. You couldn't be friends anymore because you misread the signs. Right. Yeah. It's very, and I'm doing a rewatch of Down Abbey, so I'm very, very like Thomas Barrow, like one must read the signs, Mister Carson. Blah blah blah. And then you know that's another thing. No happy ending for that. And he read the signs, and he, you must look nothing. beyond. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so then, so what we have here is definitely not like that. And in another way, it's not like the other queer story. Um, Ruby Slippers in season mm. five, which I did enjoy very much so, but that was very mm. compressed. Yes, and right. seeing you can this, tell this see- is a slow burn, right? Seeing Robin and um, Alice's story be drawn out and unfurled, as opposed to like, yes, I was very happy to get what we got, but. You know, it's the difference between having chocolate pudding and chocolate ganache. Like I like chocolate pudding is amazing when that's all you have in the house. But then somebody comes by and they bring you like some chocolate, ridiculous air whip chocolate mousse, and you're like, "Oh wow, this is what it's supposed to be." You know? I did it. You have to say chocolate, anyways. Nah. 
So I just basically the the the, the pin I want to put into all this initial rambling is that we are we're getting something that I never thought when I was a kid that I would see on television and that is really exactly. exciting and it's exciting for people who are younger than me who are seeing themselves on screen in this specific genre like it makes a right. difference that it's fairy tales oh totally it makes a it makes a big difference it makes a big difference to that you know the company that is showing this that it's ABC that makes a big difference too there is a big difference so it it's a different kind of representation. It's a new kind of representation for us. And it really does matter. And that's why I, I, I hashtag fairy tale lesbians every chance I get. Right. Because that's, it's, it's more than, a, you know, I mean, it's a fun joke. Obviously we have fun with it ourselves, but it does go beyond that a little bit at times too. It takes on a more serious weight. Mm hmm um, because of the the meaning behind it, you know. I mean, representation is so important. I mean, in fr I mean, to quote Kerry Washington from her HRC speech, you know, representation matters in front of and behind the camera, and we need more of that. Mm -hmm. And you know, to see ourselves represented in this genre, in it's because it's very unique and very specific. Because it is a classic thing that you grow up hearing about all the time, the, and gay kids don't get a chance to see themselves represented in that growing up. That's exactly it. It's the and they lived happily ever after. You know, this isn't right. And where's um, ours? This isn't Especially, an angsty, you know, you know, indie, you know, gangst like Brokeback Mountain, where things don't end up well. This isn't a '90s cautionary. Uh, AIDS tale where the gay person is exactly like I, a pariah. This isn't the uh, person, the, the token gay who's there as the clown. This isn't like the, you know, as much as I love the first wives clubs, there was a lot of like very like 90s stereotypes in that as well. And, you know, growing up, like seeing that and being like, mm -hmm about that like why can't i just be a person and why do i have to i mean and that's fine for folks who do express themselves and, and are comfortable relaxing into who they are and if that's a more masculine person or a feminine person or whatever but i always felt a little bit on the outside myself because i always i didn't want to change because i was I, I never felt like i had changed inside so I didn't want to change my outside. Um, but so just having it just like they happen to be two girls is and it, and no one says boo about it is is hmm. nice. That's I mean, that's the most succinct way I can put it. It's nice. Um, it feels good. Yeah. It's like I mean, I'm not even, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm glad that you're having that experience. I'm kind of living vicariously through you. I'm like halfway there. Um, it's gays. That's important. Mm -hmm. um, st I still don't have two boys in fairy tales. So that's a little bit more, I mean, and the closest story really is the whipping boy, which is a whole other kind of conversation. So... Mm -hmm. Like, there are so many little moments when I just remember, like, you know, the lingering touch and, and, but there was an explanation for it. And I just remember thinking, like, 
if this had been like seven years earlier, that that would have meant nothing, and they would have just left it at that. But they didn't because it's totally a thing. A plus, and just like when they're seeing the car and they're staring at each other, I'm like, okay, kiss, 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 kiss. Now kiss, kiss. God damn it, troll. No, but I'm glad that they didn't because that's the other thing is that like the slow burn is gonna make it more satisfying. Because on Call the Midwife, when Patsy and Delia, they didn't kiss for, like, what, three seasons. And everyone was, like, super salty about it. And I was like, calm down, internet. It's literally England in the 1960s. Like, they had a whole episode about this. Can't be doing that. And when they finally did, they finally, finally, oh, spoilers, 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 but they finally got their kiss. It held so much weight, and it was such a release and relief, and it meant so much that even though it was just a, a chaste, minute of screen time and it was still like just such a a, a triumph so i'm i'm like fine i will be patient because i know that the payoff is going to be awesome um and kind of rolling along with that i really have found myself like really liking robin in this episode um well both the women actually like i i you remember back when we first got into the season and i was a little like all right tilly what's your game what's going on i don't know if i like you i don't know if i trust you what's what's what what is this happening and then uh rose reynolds has definitely just like unfolded this very complex um who is this hans sorry who is this hans <laughs> is this complex uh flawed character that you still want you you care about like you're rooting for her because you you are learning more about where she comes from and how she feels things and with robin i wasn't immediately like pinned into her either because i think her first introduction was very brief it was like oh okay her and Elsa are a thing yes but the, the curse came no and then we saw her again, and it was more like, I'm going against what mummy wants. And that was a bit like, okay, but listen to your mother, damn it. So I was mother like, knows best. No, 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 no. We're not invoking any Gothel and her creepy ass. Awful Away. Gothel. Um, but here, like, you definitely, you, I feel like this was the best way to get to know Robin, and you, you... There's a couple of things with that. Like, first and foremost, I love the fact that it was very much just Alice and Robin's story. Like, you didn't have Hook there or Zelina or anybody. It was just the two of them. So they got to very much stand alone um, and not be overshadowed so much by these these main cast members that we have such a strong, like, relationship and hold to. And I think that was to the benefit of seeing these two characters grow. Um, we really got to dig into each of them with this. Even though they both talked about their fathers, like it was more about their father's impact on them rather than their fathers currently impacting them. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, but also, I loved Robin's dialogue in this episode because it was just like you could tell very much that she was raised by Zelina and raised on a yes. steady diet of pure sass. Yes. Like, there's very Zelina-esque lines uh, in yes. her delivery. Like, yes. it was it was very good. And I think with the two of them being on their own, you, you got to see how 
they click together. And while their initial meeting was adversarial, as is wont to happen with romances on Once Upon a Time, it wasn't like, okay, they're enemies and now they're smushed together. It's like, yes, we're going to try to crash the soft lesbian and the hard lesbian together because as much as I enjoy that kind of trope, because I do enjoy that kind of trope, um, this isn't, like, I like how it was just, it was, it was much more natural and relaxed. Because there's, like, this whole meme going on now. First off, I don't know if you knew this, Zach, but we're in 2018, according to the Tumblr Tumblers, because I've been creeping on the Tumblers. Um, for, uh, there's, like, the whole, it was a disaster lesbian is a thing, is a thing, where it's just, like, you, you useless lesbian, like, you just pining and not able to express your feelings and unrequited love and stuff like that and I'm kind of glad that we're not there with these characters um that they both I feel like kind of knew what each other were about um in as this episode as they got closer and grew on but they're not ready to jump on the good foot and do the bad thing just yet right but yeah, but we've talked about Robin quite a bit, and I, I do want to talk about Tilly because this was, I think, a great or Tilly Alice. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that interchangeably. I think this was a great episode for her, and just really kind of understanding how adrift she feels and how kind of mixed up her head is and everything. Um, mm. When no one recognized her on her rounds, I truly thought oh my for, god. Well, I truly thought for a moment that. She was being gaslighted or gaslit is is that the one of the, whatever the the past tense of that is, um, right. by Gothel like that was part of her plan. I was convinced about it until she realized she's like I know everybody and nobody knows me. No one sees me, and that is that is it is the fact that that is what I, I can't speak for every queer Say person it, girl. ever, but Say it, girl. for this Say queer it. person, that's Say all it. I want. I want somebody to Say see yet. me. Say it, girl. I want yes. somebody to see me. And she does. Yes. She has somebody and she and even in the end when they didn't know each other. That was that's obviously as we've seen in many other cases, we've seen it from Snow White and Prince Charming to Bell and Rumple to Oh my Cinderella god, which isn't it so sweet Henry. that Alice and Robin are getting like a Snow White and Prince Charming kind of story where they'll always find each other kind of thing. Like, oh my god, well, it's it. so cute. Their love is like all those other loves, is that it's stronger than I the know, curse. and it's you can't keep the I two know. apart. Like the oh fact my that god, it's so Tilly good. picked up the book in, in Henry's house and then though I will say it might have been just a touch on the head for Margot Robin to have Elsa Wonderland with her, like, it might have been a little too, like, okay, uh, there you go. But, well, no, because then she read it. Robin Hood. Like, it was so cute. Like, because they're reading books, which means they're, like, nerdy. Like, like. Just, yeah, just the fact, though, that, like, no one saw Tilly at all. And it was, uh, that, that was a little heartbreaking. And I have a sidebar on that is that I do enjoy the fact that they brought up the marmalade sandwiches again because again, if you're just tuning in, Rose Reynolds was in the World's End as one part of the marmalade sandwich, which is two blondes and a redhead in the middle. It will make sense if you watch the movie. You should go watch the movie. It's incredible. If someone's going to the Chicago convention because I can't go, they need to get my World's End poster signed by Rose Reynolds. I will pay value the money. Help me make this happen. 
Go fund me. Anyway, that's the... Um... <laughs> I just really like that they keep talking about marmalade sandwiches because I feel like... I And I can't tell if it's intentional or not. I feel like it is. That, like, it's such a wink and a nod because it's such a specific thing. Oh, yeah, it's totally about that, dude. Okay, because that, like, that warms the cockles of my heart so much, too. It's totally about that. It's like turning your blog into a podcast. Mm, it's like, I see you. I see you. Get it? Yeah. Okay, we could uh, kind of move on to some non-lesbian things, though I am loath to do so. But the troll was interesting for me. Like, I know you have a very big connection to Seattle and the actual troll that's under the actual bridge there. I like how that was yeah. incorporated into this yeah. episode. But I have to say, I felt the stuff with the bug was, like, a little, like, uh, okay. Like, I was like, what are we, at Harry Potter number two here? Like, this car coming careening out of the woods? I mean, though it did Dude, give us a nice scene of the two of them in the car. I like that, because that felt very, like, Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to need like, you to back up a little bit. Hold movie. the phone. You're going to have to back up a little bit, hold because we get, hold the phone, okay? Because we rarely get... A lot of Emma Swan in this show right now, and her car showed up to save your fairy tale lesbians. So in this instance, it worked, and it's adorable, and it was one of the best things ever. They were saved by a bug, like in it's like such a Wonderland kind of thing too, because it made me think of the caterpillar. So I was like, they're being saved by a bug. Herbie the love bug. The love bug. Are you kidding me? Come on, dude. That was so cute. Because not only that, right? But, like, when they first showed the troll under the bridge earlier this season, in the premiere episode, I was so tickled by it. And I remember saying on the podcast that in my internal, like, headcanon, the bug that it was holding was Emma's bug. And it is. <laughs> I'm Emma's bug is me with the troll. Caps, like, Ugh! Yeah, it was like Emma, like the troll is holding Emma's bug. Oh my god! Like, it was so, it's so cool. So in that moment, I was like, it's always gonna be like a fun thing. Now every time I go home to Seattle and I go to this to the troll under the bridge and I see the bug there, I'm gonna be like, ha, that's Emma's bug. Like this is the neighborhood where, like, this is where Hyperion Heights kind of would have been. Like, it's Fremont, and that's fantastic. Like. Oh, it's so close to my heart. You have no idea how much I love that effing troll, like, already. And, like, it's always something that I recommend people go see when they're in Seattle. So now I can be like, yeah, if you go and see the troll under the bridge, just know that once upon a time, that troll and the bug that it's holding saved Robin Hood and Alice in Wonderland. And don't you for f***ing get it either. And they almost, they almost smooch in the car because there was totally, like, that moment of, like... Oh, it was so on. Like, they, it was on, like, Donkey Kong. Like, there was no Operation Cockblock going on here. Uh, so. I was about it. I was. I was oh, like, oh, I mean, you're not even. A, you're, when I knew, I knew that it was working and I knew that it was going to be something when you sent me the message and you said that you shipped it so hard because you are not a shipper. I'm not. No, yes. We will, we will, we will mark this down um, now that I do not hold with shipping so much because it tends to lead to a lot of strife because people get really mean about it online and i'm like brah like just celebrate it like who cares what the person next to you is doing 
Like, one person liking a thing doesn't, like, invalidate me liking a thing because it's fiction. Ooh, whatever. Anyway. Um, I, I, I shan't be getting into that conversation because we are having warm, fuzzy, fairy tale lesbian feelings here. Yes. Um, <sighs> Joel, okay, jumping into really quick a couple of... of non like I said non lesbian related things in the episode though um I'm still very much no on Regina Facilier and when she was like no I do have feelings for him I was like no stop it like I I, I don't... get it ha- having having feelings for somebody even though you know that they're a dirty rotten lying scoundrel piece of shit who you know manipulates people for their own purposes yeah I mean, I get well, it, I, know, I, I, I that's the thing is I get it, and I'm like, but I just, mm, I, I get it, but I, I don't, I get it, but I don't mean it doesn't mean I have to like it. But I'm not gonna get on people's asses who do uh, ship the two of them. So, whatever, live and love it. I mean, I Namaste think I think that. that they're, I think they're cute. I mean, I think you know, I don't blame Regina for being like, hey, I'm gonna get me some because that man is sexy as hell. So, I mean, I'm not mad at her for that, but also the fact that we know that. Sean McGuire is coming back as Robin Hood just gives me hope that like somehow he is going to return and they're going to like be able to somehow quarter for the hope reunite. commission. Yeah. Like that's what I'm hoping for. Um, like, I would that I'm, I would be okay with that. Like that would be fine with me. So. All right. Um, Lucy trying to go all modern with her, with her operation and like even Zelina be like, no, you need, the walkie talkies because they squawk. They squawk. They squawk. But Lucy was like, "We should just text." And I was like, "Yeah, that actually makes more sense in today's but it, world." But, but then, then it didn't. Then it, it. But then we need the squawking. Like you know how I feel about the squawking. So you know. <sighs> God, you haven't seen f-ing Tangled. God. No. I'm almost doing it out of spite now. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> You're just robbing yourself of a fantastic movie-going experience. Oh. So, I mean, though I will say that these, and Princess these, and the Frog brackets going on with like Pixar on one side and, and OG like Disney on the other side, and they're like placing like Tangled above The Incredibles. No, 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 not in my house. The Incredibles yes. is yeah. The Incredibles. You haven't seen it. Doesn't matter. You haven't seen it. Doesn't matter. The Incredibles matter. is a goddamn masterpiece. It, yes, it is, but you haven't seen Tangled. That's all I'm saying. I you will, haven't seen Tangled. I will fight you in real life on another day. Okay, well, frying pans. Who knew, right? Um, you have no idea. You have um, no idea. You don't even Holly, know. Holly Hunter. Holly Hunter is Mrs. Incredible. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's valid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm not still right. The amazing jazz soundtrack. Anyway, um, though I do like, I, I like how Zelina was like, ah, I knew you were totally on a date. And then when Facilia walks away, like, Regina's almost, like, temper tantrum. She's just like, Zelina! Oh my god, I love that. I love, I love when all the actresses, I, well, and actors, but I love when they can be very, very physical on the show. Like, I mean, that goes all the way back to, to old Hook and him just, Ugh. Colin doing a lot of like great physical comedy and, and even that goes back to the fact that Hook spent the better part of season two on the ground at one point or another. <laughs> um Well that's when that's when Hook was the best, so 
Anyway, um, that's when Hook was Hook and he wasn't Killian because Killian is the one that is yeah. fair. Go on. Fair. Um, so I, I liked I like that, and um, I'm very I'm just very interested to see now that Margot Robin is back. Um, how I keep thinking you're going to call her Margot Robbie. I, and I, every time I say it, I'm like, I have to stop myself from saying that, too. Because I don't want to say... Because when she's called Margo for, like, two <laughs> seconds, nobody's going to know, like, what I'm talking about. Um, right. I will say Hulu needs to get their shit together with closed captions, because, like, I can barely read what's going on half the time. Um, I'm excited to see where... I, I'm excited to see how things are going to unfurl for Alice and Robin now. I'm wondering if we're going to see a parallel, like, see them growing closer in flashbacks and then, re, like, re-meeting each other in Hyperion Heights. Who? Uh, Margot, Tilly, Robin, Alice. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting Margot to help out Tilly in some way. And then they'll be like friends, and there's kind of like that whole subtext there going on. And then, and then the subtext becomes text. And then it becomes text, and then the curse is broken, and oh, good gravy! Um, oh, which reminds me, I was gonna. There was something else I was gonna talk about earlier too. The fact that like Robert Carlyle is apparently going to be in the finale episode, so apparently he is making it all the way to the end because if that's when Emily De Robin is coming back as Belle, then that means that Rumpel makes it to the end. So yes, no, I actually when when they announced like all that, I was like, oh, our, our theories. I like it when our theories are wrong because it keeps us on our toes. Exactly. I mean, I also like it when they're right because it means that we know what we're doing. But I mean. You know, it, that's nice to know, too. It's nice yeah. either way. Yes. I just like theories. Theorizing is fun. Um, I really like the fact that they showed that it was the troll that broke apart the tower because we saw it broken up at the beginning of the season when mm. Regina and Drizella were out, you know, talking outside of it. And so I thought it was cool to see that, like, you know, the troll was the one who, like, smashed it apart. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was you know, a that... reason for that. Though right, I will yeah. say, like, Tilly's, like, manifesting things into reality is a little weird, in a way. Like, is she magic? Nah, or is she um, just, like, Well, consider, consider, right? Consider. Um, she also blew out a candle on her birthday at the beginning and made a wish that came true, just like Emma did in the pilot. Yes. So... Okay. And then the, bu- oh, and, then, okay. oh and then the bug came. So I'm just mm. saying. No, no, I have more lesbian shit to talk about. Hold on, it just reminded me. Okay. When she blew out her other candle for her birthday with Robin, and she's just staring at Robin, did you not think? And she's like, "What'd you wish for?" I'm like, "She wished that you would lay one on her." And I was like, "Like you? Oh, <laughs> I was so about that. I was just like, that's what she's wishing. She's like, she's like, kiss me, damn it." But I can't tell you, and because you make the, you know, it, you know how this works. And I was just like, I don't know. I feel I got the feeling more that she like wished for like, you know, that she like wished for happiness or for someone that would make her happy. And then like Robin was still like there. I don't know, but I mean, you read wished, into it whatever you want. Her. And then she I, wanted. I, her I, will, I will read the sacred lesbian texts. She and, wanted and, and her. Cipher. She wanted her to lay a big wet one on her. Mm-hmm. That's what she wanted. Um, <laughs> 
Um, also, that one line that I sent that to you right, with no context, and I'm pretty sure, what the hell she said? She's like, amazing! Do me next! I was like, wait a minute! <laughs> well, not, well not, not only that, but, okay, the other thing, right, which we, a couple things we need to talk about. Number one, the fact that Alice made sure to mention how she outran the Bandersnatch. I bet you did, bitch. Okay, that... And like I, I said, understand that, that it's that's, I that's understand that that's canon to Alice in Wonderland, but I'm also telling you that anytime the word snatch is thrown around where lesbians are concerned, it has a double entendre. So I'm just I hope you can saying. imagine the face that I'm pulling right now. Like I, I, hope, I can. I hope, dear listeners, your, I, I hope have you seen, can hear it through your phones or whatever you're listening. I'm sure to that on. I'm sure that your eye your eyes are probably like. Yeah, I can see it. You've looked at me like that at the con before when I've said something. And then <laughs> the other thing that we need to talk about is the fact, again, which I mentioned it earlier, but we're just going to talk about it now gay style. Since you brought up more lesbian shit, I, I did get a gay moment because the fucking bar is called the Double Woodpecker. For God's <laughs> sake. For God's sake. I am eternally grateful to, to Leah the set, Fong the set and <laughs> to Leah Fong and Dana Horgan if they named it that, or to the set dressers who named it, whoever decided to name that double woodpecker, I the can't even the double pecker. For God's sake, there are so many connotations there. That is so so funny. Oh my That's god! That's what happens when the show's on Friday night. Woo woo. I guess so. I mean, I wish it had been on Fridays more often. Perhaps we would have seen them making tacos a little bit more. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, dude. Like, I just, uh, yeah, I was like, there's so much, there are so many gay things in this episode, and it just made me so happy. Like, really, I know we already talked about it, but I can't say enough about the fact that there was some fucking gay shit in this episode. Like, we were there. We were represented. We're front and center. We're main characters. And they're not going to bury us. their gays. They see us. Like, in some way, like, we're being represented. Like, I appreciate that so much. Like, thank God. Like, thank God. Because I've just, like, even when I went to WonderCon over this past weekend and I was there and I was looking at comics and stuff and I was looking at gay comics and things like that. I still was so disappointed because I asked the guy, like, do you have anything that's like this? And do you have anything that's like this? And he was like, no, we don't. And I was like, do you know of any? And he was like, no, not really. And I was like, oh. Like, well, that sucks. There are canonical gay Marvel, I think it was his Nightstar is one, and then Iceman came out, and like... Stuff like that, but, 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 like, I, and if you have recommendations, please tweet us these recommendations for gay comics, because we will read them. I mean, I don't know if Rat Queens counts, because, like, everybody's kind of all over the place with that, but I love Rat Queens. Well, I love the first trait of Rat Queens, but that's another conversation for another time. Yeah, Um, I mean, I'm just saying, like... Or, like, I love The Wicked and the Divine, and you need to read it, because dang like i don't know if it would like i don't know if it would satisfy your your wanting for representation but it's still it's very like open i don't want to say too much because that's a that's definitely a graphic novel that has lots of twisties and turns and you need to you need to read it but Mm. yeah um it just it, it's so nice to not be feeling like a plot device or like 
a, a shoehorn, like shoehorn into a story. Like this, we, we, we're part of the fairy tales now. Is how it feels. So anybody who's like involved with the episode, writers, actors, like if you somehow happen to listen to this, and I know we're not the only ones who uh, are saying thank you. But us here right now, we do say thank you, because... Yep. We need it. You're making it happen, and and it's... Like I said, it's, it's, it's nice. It's very nice. It is, indeed. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us for this very special doubleheader episode of the Once Upon a Fan podcast. So we'll be back next week talking about the episode Sisterhood. Which will no doubt be a very interesting discussion. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode. Have a good night. Night, guys. And I would stand inside my hell and hold the hand of death. You don't know how far I go to ease this precious leak. And you don't know how much I feel or how much I can take just to reach you.